Welcome to episode 247 of the Reform Brotherhood. I'm Justin. And I'm Brandon. And we are proud members of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Hey, brother. Hey, brother. <laughs> I, don't feel, I don't feel right doing that. I, I don't. Like. I mean, this has been a long time coming. A long time coming. I mean... I didn't think it was coming again. For those of you who aren't familiar, this is Justin and Brandon, formerly of the Two Thieves podcast, and Tony and Jesse are on vacation. Yeah, they I are. don't know where. And they foolishly asked us to fill in. I don't know where they're at. We literally didn't get very much information except a couple messages of, hey, <laughs> do you want to do this? And we, and we agreed. So we are thankful to Tony and Jesse for the opportunity to fill in. I don't even think there's an audience out there that knows who we are anymore. <laughs> there, Not that there wasn't, many people there wasn't knew really two years ago. <laughs> who we were anyway. I mean, we didn't have that big of a following, but it's just, it's, you know. I, I mean. If you're feeling awkward right now on the other end of this, <laughs> just know that we are too. So you are, you're in the, you're in the brotherhood in it's that like sense. like we're on a first date right now. It's, it's amazing. But we're filling in <laughs> and today we're going to be addressing the 2021 Southern Baptist Convention. We're going to do a little report out for the for the audience, for the Presbyterian audience who maybe isn't familiar with what that is. And honestly, I think at the end of this, we're going to be like, I don't really know what it is either. I, I think a lot, I was going to say I'm in the same boat. So I, we'll, we'll see. We'll do it. We'll see. So let's jump in. Affirmations and denials. We're staying with the Reform Brotherhood brand. And I'll start mm-hmm. if, that's a, if that's okay with you. Yeah, please do. Please do. I'm affirming this right here. I mean, that's a, that's a the slam sharing, dunk. That's no, a but layup. no, but there's more. There's okay. more. All right. I'm, affor- I'm affirming the sharing of platforms. Okay. I, I think when you get into the world of podcasting and even the world of Christian and Reformed podcasting, I think there's some that have a competitive spirit like this is my this is our brand and and we're building it and we're not gonna we're not gonna share it we're gonna keep it for ourselves as our thing and tony and jesse have been kind enough to allow someone you, else in not, you, and not just allow us in as like hey can the two thieves come on and do a podcast but hey under our brand of the reform brotherhood can you can you fill in for us so and i, I appreciate that d- does it feel wrong? Does it feel like you're plagiarizing someone's sermon right now? <laughs> but that's, that's a timing. good one. That's timing. a good one. So the, I, do you so want to I name like names? It. Do you want to name names of who's protective over their podcast and call them out right now? No, I don't. I, I, I don't. I don't. I'm not. But you know how it is. Like I'm, I'm teasing. A couple, I get it. A couple years ago, remember when they did like that bracket came out? And it was like podcast competing against one another. And it was fun. And we <laughs> We had to compete it. against the Sheologians. And we, and then, yeah, we went against the Sheologians <laughs> and get like 2% of the overall overall vote. Our, our mothers voted for us. And but you just don't see, you just don't, I don't think you see it or there's, there's mashups and crossovers where podcasts mm-hmm. are joining together. But mm-hmm. for, for former podcasters to come on under a, a current running brand, I think is... It's, it's very, it's, it's humility. It's very sweet. It's humility. It's, it's nice. Why they, why they trusted us with their brand. 
um, to not tank their audience right now? I don't. I don't know. It's been so long since we've done this. There's still people out there. I don't know. Turn it off right now. I don't know. I don't know who these guys. I don't. (laughs) (laughs) So what is what is your affirmation? What am I affirming? Yes. Um, I. I'm curious to know if you know about this, or you may already know. Okay. I'm hoping that this is new for you. Okay. Um, I am affirming. The new podcast, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. So the Mark Driscoll. Yeah. So you know. Church. I um, know of Mars Hill. So so. No, I'm, I mean, uh, you know of the podcast? Vaguely. Okay. Vaguely. I've seen it across. I wanted this to be a so, surprise. Social you, media. So it's not a I'm surprise. I, I have read some good things about the production quality of of that podcast so so unpack it a little bit what are you what are you uh, enjoying yeah christianity today did it I, I would say it's a good thing and a bad thing maybe i shouldn't but um the very good production value the way they handle the story is very good i think they're a little soft on some references to things they shouldn't be but I, it's it's it is fascinating for someone who um and and you'll identify with this as well like at the time mark driscoll was skyrocketing Mm. we were coming into reformed theology were um like those guys that listened to him and were like oh wow look at this guy you know and restless and and loved him and loved like his brashness Mm -hmm. and how he sort of preached him in but also like beat him over the head and put him down all the time but at the same time in hindsight you go back and you listen to this stuff you know, like, oh my goodness, there were like a million <laughs> warning signs of who maybe Mark Driscoll really was. Um, just, it, it being charitable, just extremely immature, right? And there's also so much to be taken from there. Even today, like, listen to your favorite quote unquote, it doesn't have to be a celebrity, but for lack of a better term, celebrity pastor, your, even your John Pipers, your Vody Bacchums, your Jeff Durbin, whoever it could be. And keep in mind that they're great resources, but you don't know how their church functions and you, and there is no substitute, right? There's no substitute for your local church period. Um, so it's just, it's, it's a fascinating, have you finished it? I haven't. Or is it, is it ongoing? Are they done with it? Do you know? I don't have the answer to that. I, um, but I've listened to like three episodes and they're interviewing folks that were there, folks that were all over in leadership with him just across the board Mm -hmm. and these people are coming out and saying that he you know he was an egomaniac and he was like abusive Um, verbally i haven't got that far in the story but right now it's like he um extremely smart intelligent knows how to speak to a crowd but character didn't match talent is kind of the part yeah, where where I'm at right now. So will it get into more of those things? I I don't know, but I I encourage you to listen to it if you haven't listened to it because it's not just about Mark Driscoll and Mars Hill. It's just about a, an overall celebrity uh, pastors. Yeah, I mean it. It just covers a whole spectrum of things and in, in, in the world of, of reformed Christianity. What we've and done, that. and right. we and we've done it in this in this reformed community if that's what you want to call it and, and lifting people up mm-hmm. on 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 pedestals and in many instances like this feeding into an ego so we all have pride problems maybe some of us fight pride and try to and, and have that battle more consistently than others but for Mark Driscoll that may have been his weakness and it was just fed into and and it was really a huge 
I mean, uh, John Piper brought him under his, yeah. under his, right. I want to say under his wing, but alongside of him in certain events. Uh, Matt Chandler was right there on stage with those guys a lot of times. Doug Wilson did a, a, an event with him, at least one or two. So he mm. was firmly entrenched with a group of very high profile guys. And there was a time where you saw a ton of these high profile pastors fall from grace and we saw it here in St. Louis with the Journey Church, right? Yeah. And just tragic, tragic endings. And so the podcast does a great job of just asking in general terms, how does that happen? Why do we allow it to happen? And yada, yada. So it was good. But anyway. there is no doubt of his talent as an no orator, mm-hmm. an order, um, his talent of delivering sermons. Um, you know, I think what I read about it in review, uh, many say he has like um a memory that's that's incredible and and photogenic in a sense and just can soak up knowledge and deliver it in a way behind the pulpit that really is unlike many other no and 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 I I even think I've heard Tony say it before uh for himself like he was an influence mm-hmm. in my mm-hmm. reformed trajectory journey whatever you want to call it he was an influence and now we're seeing you know, an other side of, 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 of that in his downfall oh, and, and sure. his, in his total and utter rejection to be held accountable uh, with church discipline in any, any way. And, and that, that may yeah. be the most, that may be the most disappointing thing for a guy to fall. Okay. You fell, mm-hmm. you were in a position that, that you probably were unqualified and you, and you fell, but if you would have committed and, and been, and have been held accountable by other elders or by a church governance or authority, my picture of him would be completely different. And I'm sure many other people who listen to him would have a different opinion. And no question he spun the whole thing. Right. Uh, and it is a totally different person now. Maybe isn't a different person, but like anti Calvinist and anti reform and anti all this stuff. It's just, again, it's a fascinating personality study, um, as well. And we'll see what Phoenix does. His church is is in Phoenix. I don't know. I don't know the I name of I it no off the top of my head. But he has a church in Phoenix and mm. streaming his sermons, and it seems to be growing. And and we'll see what is on the other side of that for him. Yeah. Uh, could be, could be, and and sadly, most likely will be a replication of what he's dealt with. If you know church church discipline, the previous episode that these guys did right. was on church discipline, mm-hmm. and church discipline, you know, prunes a church. Uh, but also as a sanctifying tool of the body. And if you don't submit to that, there's a chance you're going to stay right where you are. It's also a a beautiful, for lack of a better word, story of that the church structure, when done correctly and biblically, works. Amen. Absolutely. So my denial. Okay. This is obvious because you know me. Um, I'm denying in this you know, corporatism and the corporate world. So we're, we're both in that, right. As salespeople, mm-hmm. but I'm denying meetings, <laughs> meetings, <laughs> not that meetings aren't good and there can't be things that come out of meetings. Communication in a group is, is a positive thing when done correctly. But man, I read an amazing article, um, recently it was on LinkedIn. So you know, I'm not a big fan of LinkedIn. I think it, I think it falls into the same trap as f- it's become a Facebook to me, mm-hmm, like a sure. more corporate spiffied up Facebook. Right. Um, but there was a guy who published an article on LinkedIn and he was just lambasting people that have meetings 
and use their busyness as a, an, an mm. excuse um, to not build genuine relationships with their coworkers and not build genuine relationships with their employees. It's just a constant, my schedule is stacked and I don't have time for you. And then the lack of pro- true productivity that's tied to that. So he gave an example of how um, he had, he had, he was working with someone in an insurance agency or something. And he was trying to book a meeting with this guy. And like, he had to book like eight weeks out to get into this guy's schedule to even have a conversation with him. And I just think number one, I don't think anybody's that busy. Mm-hmm. And I've heard, I've heard the term. I don't, I don't know who coined it. It, it probably was Ed Litton, but <laughs> <laughs> somewhere along the way, it was but, Ed Litton. but that busyness can often be active laziness. Mm-hmm. Because you're put, you know, often when you're you're busy and you're filling your schedule with just meetings and you're having meetings to have other meetings and you're you're putting off like the hard conversations. Mm-hmm. You're putting off one-on-one interpersonal relationships with people you work with. So I'm denying meetings. And we, as people in the corporate sphere, get sucked into a bunch of meetings. And I can probably count on a single hand over the course of this last uh, 18 months, specifically with COVID what meetings were actually fruitful where true productivity, action items, performance and deliverance happened. Matter. And and, and I'm denying meetings. No, I, it's I'm, bad. It's bad. I'm bad. it's not you're so more than meetings, you brought up the point. It's not just work, it's not just meetings. It's when you call somebody and you want to have a discussion and they don't call you back That's or you right. don't talk to them and they go, Oh, I'm so busy I haven't had had a chance to even call or to and, hey I'm probably worse than most people about that, right? Um, it's just a concept of life. But what, but what it does, and to to that point is, and and we're like this as a society with with social media and that kind of dilemma that's happening with our our brains and our just our like inability or, or lack lack of desire to truly communicate one on one, man to man, heart to heart, mind to mind with someone. And all meetings does is is just strengthen that position because having a meeting with 15 people on zoom or whatever platform is utterly and entirely different than having a business meeting one-on-one with someone else, whether that someone else is your boss, your coworker, even a customer. So we're bringing customers now into these meetings. And I guarantee you they have the same feelings. Um, It's different. I would encourage out of this, one-on-one interpersonal communication, specifically if you're in the, in the field of selling, like be good at getting out of meetings. <laughs> I would challenge business people in this upcoming year when, when Zoom and Microsoft Teams and all of this junk is being thrown at you, one of the skill sets that you could refine is be good at getting out of meetings and dedicating that time to true productivity, true relationship building, true servicing of a customer in a one-on-one setting. Man, jeez. With passion. We're, we're like 16 minutes already. They do. I promise you. They do. Like we have another 45 minutes to go to catch up with how long their affirmations and denials are. So This is just going to turn into like a rant. We're in, uh, we're in good shape. We'll, we'll spend like five minutes in talking about what, the SGC. It's what's fine. your denial? Um, mine is, is, is not philosophical. It's not, it's not good. I don't think mine was either. It's just like, yeah, but yours had some life application. Mine doesn't. My denial this week is just 
is youth sports. I'm done youth with sports. Them. I'm tired of it. You're them. right in the thick of it. I'm, I'm, that's it. Why? You, <laughs> why? Yeah, well, I mean, I get, I get wrangling children up to get them so like to, to yeah okay, you know play so. a sport in a kind of a organized manner is difficult but what do you what do you experience take us through what you're experiencing so i foolishly uh my son is, he's five he's playing flag football they had no one to coach the team uh foolishly i stepped up i was like i don't want the thing to fall through so i'll do it and then i find myself halfway into it going like what are we really doing here like, what's the good that's being done here of, like, Teamwork, children, camaraderie, runner, but what, failure in life? Like, I, 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 I don't want to be one of those, like, like um, we're teaching you real life lessons here. And fo- you know, like, football or, or sports really do reveal character. I don't know that they build it so point. much. Um, like, what am I doing outside of just getting frustrated? And like, the kids are five or six years old. They're running all over the place. They're tackling each other. They're hitting each other, yelling at each other, not listening. And I'm like, all right, is this hour done? That's if anything, it reveals myself. the sinfulness of children of and the lack of parenting that is, exists and, yeah. and your sin. It's like, what? Is, <laughs> mostly mine. Like, what am I supposed to be doing here as a as life, as a Christian, as a father? I can't figure that out. And um, I'm denying it because I just want the season to be over. What good has come of it for you? Anything? I mean, joy in seeing your kid. That's you know, why I'm doing it. Right? I'm, right. I'm, he, I'm, he loves yeah. football, so I don't. I I don't, ha- and I don't want to sound bad. I don't have a passion or a gifting necessarily specifically for. I don't see myself being a coach long term. Okay, that's just that's not my thing, right? Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure it out. You don't know. Well, you you I can't even know. take anything from That's why from I'm it. denying. Well, maybe down the road we'll, we'll have an opportunity to fill in again, and we can revisit can, if there's anything good that's come of okay. team sports. This probably wasn't beneficial to this podcast. Do you think you would like that. it if you weren't coaching? If you were just sitting on the sideline watching I don't, th- your son play and be kind of wrangled around I by think there's coach? only I think there's only so much you can expect when they're five. Right. So may, maybe a little older and, and, and there's a little more organization. And, you know, I think. But then I'll I think you're going to be it. dealing with the, the, the crazy pressure and stress that people put on I children guess. to perform yeah. at a high level, thinking that they're going to be part of that, you know, sub one percent that makes money for what they do. And that's not me. I'm, I'm a little bitter towards that part yeah, of life. I'm, right. Yeah, the, for sure. The, you know, it, for sure. Imp- impressing that upon your kids and acting like it's the most important thing in the world and. You know, um, how many, how many, from a spiritual perspective, how many families like are probably ingrained in church as well oh, yeah. and are, started chasing a sports stream for their kids. And yeah, if anything, know, that's, church. if anything, that's, we've seen that's that, the lesson right? and that's so, the, yeah. that's the takeaway is, is do anything and everything not to get sucked into that rat race so I'm right. and this, take you away from the local this church. This is every bit as horrible as I think it is, basically. That's what we come away with. I won't go there because I think there's some good <laughs> in kids being active, okay. especially... Fair enough. What's happening with their brains being sucked to screens, sure. right? Yeah. Um, I get it. Okay. But that's our affirmations and and denials. Take that for what it's worth. Take that and and hope I hope you enjoyed it. So I will I'll rewind just a little bit of how we got here. So I think the previous episode, the audience probably heard Tony and Jesse have a desire to kind of do a report out of these 
uh, conventions. Mm -hmm. PCA is having theirs. Uh, SPC had theirs a few weeks ago in Nashville. So we were invited on to talk about what happened, but also try to explain what it is. What is the Southern Baptist tribing the keyword con- convention or the Great Commission Baptist as they've now dropped the Southern part of that? So their Great Commission. Oh, I didn't Baptist. even know that. Um, I don't know if that's been finalized with the with the voter or like a legal entity yet, but they're moving in that direction to drop the Southern. So the SBC had a convention in Nashville, and we, as a local Southern Baptist affiliated church in the St. Louis metro area, sent a delegate for the mm-hmm. first time in a few years. We sent someone to vote to interact, to communicate, maybe to celebrate and pray together for what they're doing and sending missions. So we sent uh, one of our pastors to go to go there. And he came back and he reported to us a little bit of what, um, what happened and some good, some bad. But let's start with what is the SBC? What is it? What, so as you've read and you've listened and you've immersed yourself into this kind of Southern Baptist culture, specifically the last year. What is it? What is it? What is the SBC? Are you asking me? Yeah, just like you don't have to. I'll tell you what they say. What they say they are okay. on their website. But what's your, what's your impression? What do you see it as? Um, well, I, from a personal perspective, I think it's a it's a bit of a tough question to answer straightforward because I I would say there's a, a bit of an identity, issue. Okay. A disconnect but, from what they say they are and what they're yes. viewed as? Thank you for, for phrasing that well. Yes, I would say that. But probably in general, uh, what the self-proclamation is, is the, it's, a, it's a group or a convention of churches, a gathering of churches that sort of have a bottom-up structure that um, strive for general like-mindedness, like theology, and are funding missions together. Yeah. The, very basic but and that and that's the and that and that hits at the disconnect. So, you know, for our Presbyterian brothers who are used to a certain governance and authority in their polity, mm-hmm. right, of 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 churches and presbyteries having authority over churches, this is not the SBC. That is not the SBC. Correct. The SBC is a convention. A many in the SBC and even on their website, they they will not say they are a denomination. Mm-hmm. Every church that is affiliated inside the SBC has the has authority autonomously as themselves, right? The SBC is not going to put someone in church discipline. They're mm-hmm. not going to they're not going to even push their resolutions or even their theology for for a broad at least a broad portion of it into a church. We are a church that is affiliated with the SBC and funds missions, but that we also have adopted the 1689 Baptist confession as our confession. And the SBC has no authority to say you can't do that or don't do that. It's just, it is what it is. So we've, when, we've know, accepted that. So when we say we're an SBC affiliated church, basically we just like broadly in general agree with the Baptist faith and message um, and send money to fund missions. That's right. And that's, that's what makes us an SBC affiliated church. That's correct. So when they have this convention, messengers from these cooperating churches 
uh, they meet. It's a once a year and they have business and they talk about things like the cooperative program thing like their budget where how these missions are going to be funded whether international missions north american missions they do have an executive team and a, a like a resolutions committee that comes up with these resolutions these these churches and messengers they meet they do it on a yearly basis it's the convention they 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 are meeting with the executive committee of the SBC which talk which which kind of constructs the budget and how these missions are going to be funded and then they vote on resolutions uh, actually you could you could put in a resolution like as a SBC affiliated church or a delegate you could put forth a resolution but there's a committee that decides what resolutions are brought to this group of messengers to be voted on and then it's voted. And, and, all, and all that resolution is, it's, it's an opinion. It's just a statement. It's a statement. This is what we as this group, affiliated group, believe on this matter. And most of the time it's uh, relevant cultural matters that are at the forefront of maybe politics, uh, society, and they vote. And they, they say, these are the resolutions that we have, that we have adopted. So... That's it. Like that is that's the convention. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of voting on like uh, you know business things of the order of how things are gonna go, and, and there's a bunch of other stuff. Like if you've ever been to a Baptist business meeting and the format of that and how it's orchestrated, it's all of that in a much grander scale. With the president of the SBC, who also gets voted on in this in this uh, convention, leading, leading it. So J.D. Greer in Nashville was leading, bring these re resolutions forth and kind of uh, the organization and how things were structured. He's leading and he's behind the mic the majority of the time with like some guy behind him telling him which microphones to go to for the next person on the floor that wants to speak about a resolution, either for or against. And, and that's what's, and I won't, I won't get into the weeds a ton because we got a lot to talk about, but that's what's so interesting about the SBC to me is that technically it's a convention. They convene for two days, right? A, two, two days, three two days. Two days a year. And that, but there's like this whole quote unquote SBC culture, right? Yes. Of, 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 of people within the Baptist church affiliated with the SBC and there's, there's blogs and there's websites and there's tons of opinions and there's fights and there's this and that. But technically, by definition, it's just something that convenes for two days. Yes. And funds missions. Yes. But, you know, and if you would kind of push back on some resolutions, you know, some of the some of the responses like, well, it's just they convene for two days. It doesn't matter outside of those two. So it's just maybe that, it doesn't. And that's like where it's just a very a, a I'm hazy on it. Right. In, in a in a in a macro sense like i don't maybe it doesn't matter there, there are missions being funded mm -hmm. and we'll, we'll talk about that sure. and we're we're thankful that missionaries are true missionaries are going and they're they're living in these absolutely you know geographic areas and, and sending the gospel to different people groups I, i'm thankful for that there's there's much to be criticized there in some sense too but i'm thankful another part of it is there's the cooperative program which is kind of like the financial fuel that funds these missions and other maybe even other entities inside of inside of the the SBC because there's there is uh there's the ERLC which is like uh mm -hmm. the ethics 
maybe arm of the SBC. I think they they get some some funding uh, from from the cooperative program. There is different um, seminaries that are kind of like also mm-hmm. tied to or SBC Southern Baptist Seminary. So I, I somebody'd have to check me on that. But I don't know if some of this cooperative program goes to those other entities, but I do know that it goes to fund missions and it allows churches to participate collectively in funding these missions. So whether that be international or North American missionary. So there's that that's talked about that's pushed. And, and I, so I, I listened to some of the live stream, so much of the cooperative program. This is what you're giving to. This is why it's important. Like mm-hmm. very, very much. So give us money. Like they're well, not shy about it. It's not like it's, the Danny Akins and some of itself, the though. guys that are higher up and have, uh, or have been high up, Albert Moeller, J.D. Greer, um, like, yeah, give us your money. This is the cooperative program. This is what it does. Bunch of, like, well-done media uh, videos about here's this missionary in, in some people group, and you funded him. And, you know, heart, heartfelt, but it's definitely, hey, this is a this is a money, money thing. Yeah, but, I mean, by definition, that's what the SBC does, right? I mean, the, there's nothing wrong with asking for money for as long as you're honest with people about where it's going, it's going to missions. People know what it's going to. And maybe there's some criticism to be had there about how it's used. I don't know, but nothing inherently wrong with that. Right. I mean, we're here to fund missions and we need money to do that. And we need you to get, I mean, you know, very feels, feels, and we'll feels political. Like feels like it's a political uh, convention. Right. It feels like that. Right. I I bet, I bet if you went to the Republican national Mm -hmm. convention, it'd have a similar feel. I think it would outside of, you know, the lack of a gospel message being portrayed. I think that sure. the, the organization of it, the, 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 um, the wanting funding, the asking for your money, like, I feel like that would feel a lot similar, very, very similar. So what happened this year, uh, in Nashville? So for those of you that aren't familiar about the inner workings of this, there are kind of two camps that are very polarized inside this Mm -hmm. convention, inside of these affiliated churches. Uh, There's also, there's been even like other little parachurch organizations developed. There's like this conservative network that's been developing the founders ministry with, yeah, with Tom Askell is, is, is at the forefront of the conservative side. And then there's this fear of, of the liberal side, those that, um, uh, have put race and, and those discussions at the, at the forefront of a lot of things, those that have tried to change the name of the SBC to, as I said, the great Commission Baptist. So there's this conservative side that's fighting against what they think is a liberal drift. So that's the, that's the, that's like the overtones of what is happening or the, the, what's happening at this specific 2021 convention. So so I would ask you now, you you, like, you watch the live stream. It's, there's no, you're much more knowledgeable about the inner workings of the SBC than I am. I kind of, yeah, I read some blogs and I hear, you know, things. But the first question I think is, and I would just ask you, do you believe there's a true liberal drift in the SBC? Because many within the SBC would say, no, right? There's some 
articles and think pieces and even J.D. Greer himself, right, who kind of buy into some of that language of racial reconciliation. But, you know, some of this quote unquote liberal drift is sort of accusations from sort of the fundamentalist hard right um, sect of the SBC and they're lobbying accusations that aren't necessarily true. Um, So do you think there's a true liberal, liberal drift? I think there is an elitist group in in the executive committee, um, even with even with JD, that are very sympathetic to, um, you know, liberal, okay, progressive, cultural ideals, right? Like I think it goes back to. Vodi Bakum and the 11th commandment, like thou shall be nice. Mm-hmm. And those guys are going to do whatever they can, in my opinion, to be very, very nice to the culture, whether it be conservative or liberal, but they they tend to like throw haymakers at conservatives and like open their arms to liberal ideals more so. And they're just going to like be squishy and warm and nice with them. So I think it's, I think it's the, the leaders People that have been put in some type of position of leadership or authority or committee uh, that are just sympathetic. I think if you were to look at all of the churches as a whole that are affiliated with this, whether they come to the convention or not, I don't think there's like a true dramatic liberal drift happening. I think there's some crazy cousins and crazy uncles and really wonky churches that have slipped in because the theological confession is so broad, but I don't think there's this overwhelming drift towards liberalism. I think it's a little bit overstated. Not that it shouldn't be feared and not that it shouldn't be kind of uh, pressed back against, especially when it comes from the likes of J.D. Greer or the likes of these leaders. But I don't think it's, I don't think we're falling over a cliff of liberalism. Uh, From the outside looking in, I think I would generally agree with that. So like even Ed Litton was accused of buying into some critical race stuff. And then, you know, some people are in the more moderate section said, look, like he's, he's doing some reconciliation stuff to like try to bring people together, but it's not really like CRT stuff. And it's, it, it's just become very polarized. Right. And probably a reflection of the world we live in politically specifically, but it's just very polarized. And then the accusations get pretty far out. So what resolution, so resolutions, as I said, are a big part of this. They vote on these opinions or statements and they, they vote to approve them as speaking for this group, right? Hard to say it's speaking for every affiliated church because not everybody is, is going. There's churches that are funding the SBC that don't attend. The attendance in Nashville was, I think I heard 14,000, which was double from a couple years ago. They canceled one because of COVID. But it's speaking for the SBC in, in, in majority, right? Or, or, or mm-hmm. uh, for those that are, that are there. Um, resolution 2 was voted on. So a couple years ago, Resolution 9 came to the forefront, and this was the resolution that listed critical race theory as an analytical tool that can be used by Christians to confront culture in regards to race. And then this blew up, right? Um, I've been somewhat outspoken about CRT and I, I, I think it, I do think it's damaging. I think it's in many ways antithetical to, um, to the gospel. I think even, even if you're saying, well, you don't understand it, well then, you know, what's being used to view everything and anything 
through the lens of race, no matter what it is, and 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 planting your flag on my identity is equivalent to my race. That's damaging. So they brought forth resolution two, which denied these type of theories. It did not list critical race theory. That was the one complaint. It didn't come out and say critical race theory is antithetical to the gospel and we deny it, but it denied theories, world theories, liberal theories, modern theories that push um, finding our identity in race, but did not mention CRT. That passed. Some were critical because it didn't name the name, but it passed. And for the most part, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, I agree with the same thing. I, um, so, so was, so was resolution nine had, had to do with some, a similar subject or topic Yes, with the past one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So here's the, okay. So a couple things, here's the issue with the SBC. I heard it explained like this, this week that, well, we can't really reject or, or override one of the previous resolutions because a convention's for two days and you'll never get those same people back in the room for right. two days. Yeah. So we can't really do anything with right. that. And I guess my question is, well, then how impactful are these things or how much do they really matter then? Um, but we'll leave that where it's at. It's hard. It's hard to tell. I mean, I, you know, it, it's it's represents a large or supposed to represent a large swath of Protestant mm -hmm. Baptist Christians and whatever you think that impact is on culture and in certain spheres of politics and government and, and society. It's that impactful, I guess. But uh, yeah, sure. A lot of churches take these resolutions and do nothing with them. Right. Right. They don't, you know, our, our pastor is not taking these resolutions and building his sermons around mm -hmm. them topically or like pushing this resolution agenda to his church members. It's just there. Here's what we believe. Here's right. what we've stated. In, in general, in terms of the statement, I, I think you can always get into like, uh, look, critical race theory can take on different forms and disguises. And and I think you can get into the weeds where the next theory comes along and you're not going to be able to name every nitpicky little thing. So I just think in general, doing a large swipe and saying anything that causes your identity to come from anything other than Christ, be it your your, your race or your job or your family, whatever it is, um, we deny those things. Yeah. I don't think there's a problem with that. I mean, I think just personal, I think the hard right section of the SBC, it just gets, you know, angry yeah, if it's, sure. you know, but, um, but, but yeah, I, I, hard question to answer because I don't know what these resolutions, re, I say what they do, but if, if the SBC's goal is to like, we're here to raise money for missions, that's it. But we're not a denomination. Then wh why the resolutions, why the statements, why the, why those things, what do they do? For the SBC, that that's that's my question. If you're not a denomination, and and and, and what and sorry to cut you off, no, there, but what ahead. I think what if you if you asked the Ed Litton or JD Greer, one of the executive committee leaders, I think they would say the world is watching. We are we are a large group, overwhelming number of churches, larger than any. I'll say denomination, they won't, larger than any yeah. convening or convention of churches in the country. And the world is watching what we say about these topics. And so here's what we say. Outside of that, like boots on the ground, effect on the actual churches, very little. Very little. All right. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. The other 
resolution that was brought for consideration was a resolution that centered around the abolition of abortion. And this was interesting because as I said, there is a type of resolution committee that gathers all the resolutions that were sent in from churches and from delegates, but they only bring a certain number to the floor. So you could send in a resolution, but it doesn't mean it gets to the floor. This one uh, was sent in by Bill Askell, who has a church in Owasa, Owasso, Owasa, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And he sent it in, but it wasn't brought to the floor. And then during the time of, I think you can like, stand up and like argue for it to be brought to the floor. He did that. And then you have to get two thirds vote of everybody in there to bring it to the floor and then vote on it the next day. And they agreed to bring it to the floor. Hmm. So it wasn't going to be voted on. It was just going to kind of fade in the distance of a, as another resolution that wasn't considered. And this was brought up and this addressed clearly stating abortion is murder, stressing abortion as a heinous sin against a, a God, the creator God, um, and it also called for the immediate abolition without exception or compromise and also touched on the criminalization of abortion, kind of like uh, not allowing women who receive abortions to kind of be, be seen victimized. as victimized yeah. as much, um, but calling it a crime that should be punished. Even it said in, in this in this um, resolutions and also called pastors to preach and teach and oppress against and oppose abortion from behind the pulpit. But it was solid. Um, I don't think me and you are opposed to uh, incrementalism as, as much as maybe some on the, on the other you know, side of us may be. But I thought this was well written. But something happened. So it did get brought up and it did get approved. But there was an add to this resolution. There was a there was a statement in the resolution that said, we will not embrace an incremental approach. And the word that was added was alone. So it ended up being, we will not embrace an incremental approach alone. So kind of keeping room for incrementalism to stay in this resolution. So, you know, I've heard a little bit about Bill Askell. I think he was pleased to a large extent that it was brought up and that it was approved to be voted on formally and that it did get approved. But I, you know, there's going to be people that are unhappy that that one word was, was added. So that's the, that's the abortion resolution that was brought up. What are your thoughts? I mean, I, I don't think, uh, in, in theory or in practice, your goal should be in, in, an incremental approach at all. So I certainly agree that in writing and I'm just just sort of analyzing this on an island, but in writing, the Christians should seek all out just abolishment of abortion. Period. Call for it. Call for it. Preach to it. That's it. Teach to it. Right. Not like we should just take one step at a time. No. But I do think that I don't think it's a good thing when something good happens. Right. An abortion clinic is shut down. A state passes a new law. Heartbeat that's bill. Anti- heartbeat bills that. Like there's this group of like Christian people who are just angry when that happens. Well, I don't know. That's not good enough. Like those things, like God should be praised for those things as well along the way. So the incremental steps should, we should be thankful for and good, but they should never be written down as this should be our approach. Our approach should just be all out call for it. And that, and that was my feeling about this resolution was that 
this resolution wanted the SBC to step up and say, we want to abolish abortion. Mm -hmm. I didn't get the feeling that it was, we want the SBC to say, we'll never support incremental measures and we want to abolish abortion. I think it was just say it, say Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, I say it. Say it's murder. Yeah. Say it. Say it should be criminalized. Say that you want to end it. I I think I think what you said is well stated. Yeah, actually. but like by itself, and forgetting of the question of like, what does a resolution do? Does it matter? Forget that. In and of itself, this is a good thing. I agree. It's good. It's great. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, we're gonna be SBC <laughs> liberals after the end of this <laughs> in this episode. What a, what a twist! What a turn! <laughs> And the other major event that happened was the president of the Southern Baptist Convention or the Great American or Great American Baptist. I don't know what they're. I don't know oh, what they're here he goes. <laughs> was voted on, and this was a, a, a real running. Um, it came to a runoff, so it's like if you don't get over fifty percent of the vote, there's a runoff between the two top candidates. There was four candidates in total, and there was a runoff between Ed Litton and Mike. Stone, and this is a real ballot vote. Mm-hmm. So this isn't raise your little th- stick in the air and vote, and the guy at the front just mm-hmm. assumes right. it's too. This is a this is a real vote. And Mike Stone was the favor of the conservative Baptist movement and network, um, which is unique because a lot of those guys are reformed, and Mike Stone is not in any sense reformed specifically. They are sociology. Reformed, I think. Well, founders. Okay. I don't know All about right. the, who's in the who's in that other like sect. The, the conservative Baptist. Network. Yeah, I don't okay. know about them. All I'm right. sure there's a mixture of you know quote unquote loosely reformed guys in there when it comes to soteriology, and then Ed Litton, who was you know like mm-hmm. the guy you would expect J.D. Greer if he had a choice to hand his baton to quote unquote kind of moderate moderate. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, I wouldn't say he's a crazy wacky liberal. I'd just say he's a guy that's gonna. It's going to address things like race and address things in the culture very um, broadly, mm-hmm. probably softer than a Mike Stone would. Um, and Ed Ed Litton ended up um, winning. So Ed Litton is your new president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, I don't know um, much about Ed Litton, honestly. Uh, you guys are hearing this at a time where Ed Litton is under mm-hmm. um, a lot of pressure because of what seems to be plagiarized sermons that he's ripped from J.D. Greer. That's bad. Um, I wouldn't want to be, I feel bad. bad for Ed Litton. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I have it, some like, my goodness, I want to pray for that guy. Um, not that he shouldn't be rebuked for it because I think he should. But other than that, I don't know much about Ed. What's your, what was your, what's your thoughts about that? presidential election as you see it again i'm not intimate to the sbc so it's hard it's hard for me to comment with outside of like kind of what i've read on blogs and what i've listened to on podcasts and um it seems to me that let me just kind of make an objective statement here without taking a hard hard stance in general kind of what i read about Mike Stone and and the support of the conservative Baptist network is that it's really a group trying hard to kick back against what they perceive as a, as a, as a hard liberal drift. Mm -hmm. They hear the, the, the race language, the white privilege language Mm -hmm. coming from the 
Danny Akins and the J.D. Creers of the world, yep. and they want to push back very hard. Mm-hmm. The accusation against that group is that just broad stereotype, it's sort of composed of a lot of um, re- Republican, maybe Christian nationalist, more far-right type guys, and maybe that their answer is to kick back really hard, but maybe it's not full-on good gospel answer to answer those things. Yeah. So that's kind of what I've read. And, and yeah, the same thing, Ed Litton is maybe a softer kind of moderate. He's taken some steps to, to kind of quote-unquote bring races together or do some reconciliation work in the church. And there's debate about whether or not that's biblical or if he's kind of embracing some of these racial theories. Maybe he's um, capitulating because he's scared that sure. black, black churches will not fund yeah. the SBC in a large way. That that's That's been, that's been brought so, to the forefront. So it's almost like there's so much... Inf- it's like when you watch the news day to day. There's so much information and opinion flying around. It's social you, media. Yeah, you have to kind of try what to fill the in the gaps as much as you not. can. And I, and I don't, it's hard. I, it's very, very hard to tell what the truth is. I, and, and I so promise I don't you, even if you're boots on the ground, which we weren't, but, but one of our pastors was... It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard. What is going on? What's the truth? What's the reality? That's why it feels like social media politics. It does. Because in a large it way, it is. Mm-hmm. Right? Because you go on social media and you follow two or three guys, you're going to think that the SBC has gone liberal. Y- you will. It's, they're, 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 no, they're well, no better than the Democratic Party themselves. Yeah. Or, or you could go, oh my gosh, thank God we stomped out these... Um, you know, pro-Trump this insurrection, it's, right, yeah. like far yeah. right capitalist riot guys, you know? And it's, so it's just, I, I don't know. It, it, it's unfortunate, but you kind of just fill in the gaps the best you can. And, you know, so let's close with this. So that's what happened. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we went through what is the SBC for the best of our knowledge. I'm sure people <laughs> will, <laughs> will correct us. I don't even, I don't even know if I know what it is really after going through 30 minutes walking you through it. Then we went through what happened at this 2021 Nashville convention. And now let's say what we liked and what we didn't like. Okay. What we liked. And and this could be what you liked at the convention or disliked or what you like as, as a whole with the SBC or dislike. So you go, go ahead and start. What do you, what is something you are positive about either about the, about the convention or about just this affiliation and group of like-minded churches that call themselves Southern Baptists. Yeah, I'm I'm very positive to see uh, I think the the turnout and the interest just in a very broad sense uh and I also is a very positive thing that people care about the church that they're involved in and 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 the uh unity and the fellowship. I I also have heard a few times that the SBC looked very young. Um and I, I think that's a very positive thing as well. I think we can probably, uh, when I hear SBC, I think of like old, you know, old Southern. Yeah. And probably because the, some of the churches we've been affiliated with locally and even our own, like that, that's kind of what it was before it was kind of reformed a little more. So those things are positive. We said the, the, the abortion resolution was very positive. So those are some of the things that I think were, were, were very good. You? I'm appreciative of the way they addressed race and the way they addressed um, abortion. I think if there was a true liberal drift, and like I and like I said, um, I'm not a fan of J.D. Greer. 
And I'm not mm-hmm. a fan of most of the leaders there. I think the issue is there more so than it is with the churches that are affiliated. I think That's if you went church fair. by church, sure. you may find more churches that we think are fundamental and conservative than that are going to be wacky liberal. Um, but I'm happy the way they address race. I'm happy with the way they address race and abortion. Mm-hmm. I think if there was a true liberal drift inside the SBC, these resolutions would never have been brought up and it altogether would have been ignored. Because you you don't have to bring up everything. Sure. That's the thing. Right. So if this committee really is as liberal as we think they are, um, they didn't have to bring these mm-hmm. resolutions up. Yeah, resolution I agree with two, that. Resolution nine could have mm-hmm. just stood as something that happened a couple of years ago, and no mention of 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 race theories and and abortion could just have not been talked about. But I was appreciative that it was, and that it was, you know, voted on as yes, this is our this is our opinion in that in that matter. I, I am just one quick thing, um, probably pleasantly surprised that they're not still having the Calvinist Arminian blow up. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, because I think other things have sort of taken center stage. Um, you know, the unity within the SBC is sometimes that's it's a fallback for the SBC, well, right? And it's, yeah. it's too broad. But but at other times, um, it's a, it's a good thing. And the other thing that I, I think I would say that I am uh, pleased about is I do think there should be a push to reform. I don't think having like some guys in there that are kind of upset about some of these things is bad. I think mm-hmm. it, it's good to push for it's always going to exist. reform and change and better articulation of your theology and more concise statements. Like I'm, I'm happy with that. Like good. Mm-hmm. I don't think it should just be a bunch of, you know, guys just blindly following SBC leaders and not wanting to push back and correct where they see correction or rebuke needed. Now we can debate their tactics and the strategy of both sides, but I'm, I'm, I'm happy that there's individuals in there. They're saying, slow down, pull the reins back on this. Let's look at this through a biblical gospel lens and let's have the conversation. And Oh, by the way, um, let's try in, in, in hopefully the most gracious manner to hold some of these guys that are in these positions accountable, mm-hmm. accountable to represent this group of affiliated churches in the best possible way to make statements that represent everybody. Yeah. And, and speak to the culture that you live in, right? Um, these are relevant. They matter. These things are being talked about and about from the pulpit, right? Identifying with your race and how sinful that is. Um, you know, abortion, we're dealing with it all the time. Murder is a sin. So I think, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you got you have to speak to the culture, so good for that. What didn't you like? This could really be, you know, and and I think, I think up until this point, people are going to look at us as like, uh, you know, these guys are okay with the SBC, and a lot, a lot we are. But one of the reasons I'm okay with it is is one, and Tony Arsenal posted about this on on, on Twitter is like. Church is always going to have a mixture of truth and error. Mm-hmm. You know, historical confessions state this. And there's no onus to... This isn't a domination. They don't hold any authority over our church. Yeah. They're not a governing body. There's there's no real, you know, polity happening here. This isn't church government. So, like, there's no, like, onus for me to, like, want to flee or get out. So that's sure. one of the reasons I may be a little bit softer. But... 
this segment here, there is a lot of things I don't like. What are some of the things you don't like? That is my problem. Yeah. Like, okay, so if your goal is to fund missions, you already have a general theological statement or confession, what you call a confession. I don't know that it's a great confession. I know it's not a great confession, but um, outside of that, why spend all this time on resolutions and and statements and position hold? If you're going to do that, just be a denomination. <laughs> Baptist is or, in the name of your... Or just fund missions and don't your, meet. Or just fund missions and Collect don't... money from You don't churches. need to spend time on all this. And that's just an overarching, like, fundamental... And there's some history um, there that we, we that we don't know either. Like, how, sure, how it was uh, formed and go... Yeah, it's been around how history. long, right? It, it's like someone... The 19th century? Yeah. Like, I, it's been around f- for a while. So some, there's history yeah. that I don't know how it formed. Someone had asked me this week, like, oh, what do you think about all this critical theory stuff happening in schools? Like, what should the schools do in, in public schools and da-da-da? Well, like, the overarching thing I should tell you is that, like, I don't think schools should be funded by the government and none of this should be happening to begin with. So that's the first thing. And then it's kind of hard for me to have an opinion outside of that. Well, I would say the same thing about the SBC. Well, you should be a denomination, right? Or or outside of that, I just but don't know how much. But with that comes a lot biblical more stuff. responsibility. I get it, you know. But I but I sort of feel that's like it's going to be difficult with that many I feel like that many churches I don't know, you know, you'd have to segment it out, like you'd have no, to... No, I know. get it. You don't just do that overnight. But I guess that's my issue with the SBC and 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 just adamant supporters of the SBC who will say, man, this uh, 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 abortion thing is good and this critical race theory thing is good. And you go, well, why don't you... Uh, maybe the SBC should do this or this. And you, you kind of criticize a little bit. And they go, whoa, 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 slow down. We're not a denomination. We can't do all... Th-. So it's like, well, you got to pick. Like, yeah. So I feel like the SBC is, has an identity issue and has for forever. And, and, so. and there's a constant cry inside the SBC for unity. Mm-hmm. And I just think the, the type of unity they're looking for is, is impossible. Yeah. Is impossible. The type of unity that they're looking for is impossible. Because they're quiet on too much, too many issues. Whether you want to call them secondary issues or or what, like rally around the gospel, rally around missions. But outside of that mere Christianity, like you're never going to have the type of unity you want because there's, you know, eschatological differences. There's Mm -hmm. sociology issues. There's uh, church government disagreements, their, you know, ecclesiology, like that, go down the list and there's just, you know, can female, mm-hmm. it's a big issue, stand right behind on. the pulpit yeah. and preach. There's disagreements on there. And there's even people using the Baptist faith and message to support <laughs> either side of that because it's so wide open. <laughs> it's, too, it's purposefully so doesn't take a side. It, it leads into my biggest dislike about the SBC and is, I think there's an anti- confessionalism inside the SBC. And I even, and I think it's really goes back to so many people inside the SBC because in the, because the Baptist faith and message is so broad and lacks authority and lacks any influence on their church for the most part, doesn't know what confessionalism is. So I heard, I heard somebody, uh, this week on a public forum say I would never 
teach through my confession in my church. Ew. I'll teach through my Bible. Ew. This is a, this is a, this guy in the SBC, and I, I I'm not I don't want to speak for everybody. There are churches like our church that holds to a 1689. That's a, that's a much better, much more concise, detailed confession addresses plenty of topics for really strong unity. But I, this guy, I would never teach through confession. What does that even mean? You're teaching through a confession. Yeah. All the confession is is a hermeneutic of what you believe the Bible says. So why wouldn't you teach it? And oh, by the way, every historic confession has biblical proofs. So it's just a fundamental misunderstanding of what a confession is. Yeah, and I would say at the same time, um, you know, I've heard the Baptist faith and message described where someone says, well, we purposefully kept it very broad, a very broad confession. But isn't the somewhat the purpose of a confession to not be broad, to like point to exactly what you believe? And so it's in some ways, keeping a confession overly broad, it's almost like defeating the purpose of a confession, right? So my challenge to the SBC, whether you're a denomination or, or, or a parachurch organization or a convention that meets twice a year, if, there, if there's individuals in, inside that are crying for unity, the only way to get that is to make your confession a real confession or to adopt a historic confession. You're never going to get unity because a lot of people think that like confessions unite. They mm-hmm. don't divide. Mm-hmm. When you know where somebody stands on an issue, that often diffuses Absolutely. disagreements, mm-hmm. right? When you know where somebody stands, when you don't, or when the gate is so broad, that's where the that's where the bickering starts. That's where the backbiting starts. So I wish that we'd get serious about a confession that holds weight and matters inside the SBC. Now they're gonna say we're not a denomination, that's not what we do. Okay, then I don't want to hear anything about any any of this stuff. Just fun missions and be quiet about mm-hmm. everything else. But if you wanna Talk about Arminians and Calvinism and eschatology and, and ecclesiology and all, all this, then you're going to have to write something down that matters and that addresses these things. If not, it's just going to be a bunch of clicks inside of a big organization that funds missions. That's my, that's my frustration. It's an identity crisis. What are you? Say what you are. And maybe stop doing things if you're not one of those things. And ultimately, at the end of the day, um, what brings unity isn't necessarily just confessions. It's the truth. And a confession points to the truth. And it, it upholds the integrity for us of the church. Our confession upholds our integrity. We can weed out mistruths and false teachings. And those. And that's, that's what purpose, in a positive manner, it would serve for the SBC. The SBC is going to have a really hard time filtering out the mistruths, the Stephen Furtick's of the world, and the and the um, who I don't think egalitarians is, of the I don't world. think he's funding it anymore, but he was. At a time. Yeah, yeah. So, but but that didn't come through like a firm. Hey, this is what we believe, and if you don't believe it, you have to go. Right. That that came probably through chance or public right. pressure or whatever. So, in a positive manner, it's not just all negative, right? In a positive way, the confession would serve the SBC well. But again, in in a sense, they're probably right. You, 
you need to be a little bit more denominational <laughs> to uphold something like that. So I don't I don't know how you what the purpose of getting that specific is if you're really just funding missions. So I don't I don't know. I, it just it all comes back to identity for me. And even in the funding of missions, and this has been posted about, I don't know who to give credit for the statement, but it was said on Twitter that theology informs missions and that missions do not does not it's a great point. Theology. It's a great point. So it's so these second I, the secondary matters or whatever yes. these the, these these really like uh, hardcore. I love the SBC. I'm all about it. it. These secondary issues that aren't really well addressed inside the Baptist faith in Message 2000, they matter, and they matter on the mission field. We talked about just a couple days ago. I can probably name on a single hand how many conversations I've gotten into uh, going to missions on the abortion clinic or, or just in our local neighborhood where it stopped at mere Christianity and that was it. There's always questions. There's always, there's always rebuttal when you're, in evang- you know, when you're evangelizing. So how you address the secondary issues and how you... How you go about doing missions, your theology matters. And, and and I think you better speak or you better know where you stand on a lot of these areas, sexuality and complementarianism and the things you, 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 you address. And I don't think the BFM does, does that. I don't think it, I don't think it equips us well for missions. Now they may be getting missionaries that are coming from another background or seminary that's more reformed-ish or something like that, and you're, and you're sending good mi- missionaries out, but I don't think what they have now equips missionaries well. Maybe maybe to, well, maybe to evangelize, but to disciple. Hit on that. Yeah, like that's where I was going. So, um, so we, we um, used to go to a church seven, eight years ago, right? And we left that church and, and went to another. And the issue we had was that it was um it was it was a very evangelistic church, right? It was a very tell people about Jesus, have them repent of their sins, and then the next week we want to preach to the unsaved again. And the unsaved, and, the, and the problem with that is that the, the discipleship model is there. So even if you want if you want to call yourself the the, the Great Commission convention or, or whatever you said the Great Commission doesn't say to evangelize. It says to disciple the nations, teaching them to obey all I have commanded you. So discipleship is what matters, not just evangelism. And I think sometimes when we hear that word mission, mission, missions, we think like sending people to another country, uh, telling them about Christ, having them repent of their sins, and then going find more people to do that too. But like where's the discipleship? And so that's where that's where these secondary issues are so weighty and they matter because discipleship is ultimately what it boils down to, not just evangelism or quote unquote missions. Uh, it's truly discipling the nations. And and it's not to say because we're not speaking from a position of like ultimate education. Absolutely about yeah, the SBC. Sure. They're, they're probably tools of mm-hmm. discipleship sure of getting people rooted in local churches where they're at. But I. F- I feel like it could be more robust. I feel like I feel like discipleship could be at the heart of the SBC, a rally cry of the SBC. Yes, let's go give 
the gospel to people groups, but let's make sure in all of this funding and what we're doing in all of our church plans that we're discipling people well, but there's a gap there because the theology that you're perpetuating is so broad Mm. and so squishy and so open in a lot of ways inside that confession and even poorly worded. Like you look at the way they word the Trinity in one of their first statements, it's bizarre. You know, talking about the persons being revealed it's just bizarre. It's almost like modalism to an extent. I'll probably get critic- criticized on that, but there's a gap that your theology needs to be stronger for you to disciple well. And those secondary issues matter in that. Yeah. I, again, you're probably right. Many people within the SBC would point to, I'm sure many tools and resources they use to disciple the, I think what we're pointing at is when you openly say that the secondary issues don't matter as much, you're sort of revealing, I think, a lack of, of, of a mindset of discipleship. So I, I think that's the only criticism here. Let's close. Yes. And we'll close with this question. This is more Two Thieves-esque. <laughs> Closing with the question. Overall, we talked about what it is, what they're doing now, things we like, things we don't like, with the Nashville and with just the overall convention. Would you encourage churches to stay affiliated to this or would you say you're neutral maybe it doesn't matter or would you say you should should break off and form some other real denomination or other mission funding vehicle what's your thoughts yeah uh just not a a revolutionary i'd probably propose that the sbc be reformed um further so I, i wouldn't i don't know that i'd encourage completely breaking off because like the SBC kind of is what it is and I don't know where else you go if you're a Baptist church to uh to a true something like the PCA right with more quality and church governance I could be wrong there's 1689 more reformed true Mm, denominations that I think hold hold weight you could go to I don't know how to answer that I'm kind of like I know it's disappointing I don't know about ending on like a yeah down note but like I'm not Really convicted one way or the other. Yeah. I, I have a little bit of, uh, you know, zeal and fight in me. So like part of me is, yeah, let's, let's stay and reform this thing. Right. Let's, let's, let's have the spark of reformation inside whatever this ambiguous entity is and, and get it to be really strong theologically and, and get all this other liberal stuff that may be in there mm-hmm. out and prune the churches that are false churches, if any, inside the SBC. But part of me is like, Man, I'm focused on my local church. Yeah, absolutely. I'm focused on my local church. I'm focused on how we are pa- impacting the culture around us, the city and the people, the, and the lost sheep around us. And the SBC is just something that I feel like if you want to go argue about it on social media, <laughs> have have fun and you'll have fun for a couple days and you'll probably still walk away with not really knowing all that much about it. What's happening aside from two binary sides that like to pit each other against one another. It sort of brings everything full circle, right? You you talk about like the Mars Hill thing and the focus on celebrity pastors and other churches. And you talk about SBC, but like at the end of the day, all these other things should fall subservient to your local church. Right. And, and you're hundred percent right. Our time shouldn't be spent on the internet building this whole culture around a two-day convention near as much as it should be focusing on discipling others and building our local churches. I'm still amazed that somebody would say, I, I, I don't teach them. I wouldn't teach through a confession. 
Maybe not preach through it every T- Sunday Tony, morning, but Tony like and teaching? Jesse, like, do you Absolutely. do a series on like what is a confession? Like Tony's great about like he's posting all like tons of historic confessions and statements mm-hmm. on Twitter, but for for people that listen to to Reform Brotherhood that maybe don't know what these things are, what they serve, their importance, that'd be an awesome. You see, I mean, they invite awesome us to series. do one episode, and you're already you're telling them what to do, do for know. the rest of the of the, <laughs> the show. Well, I would like to thank Tony and Jesse again for inviting us on here to yes, fill in. Thank you. I hope they're having a grace-filled, fun vacation with with their families. And until next time, honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. What if I'm part of-